0: Manhattan Bank has been serving the Gallatin Valley since 1905. Started by local farmers in order to help grow the agriculture industry, Manhattan Bank has since grown into a full-service bank serving the entire valley. With branches in Manhattan, Churchill, Three Forks, and Bozeman, you're never far from your local bank.
1: As banks are consolidating and changing, Manhattan Bank sets themselves apart through consistency and a small-town banking field. Come see why we have been in the valley for well over 100 years. Stop by the new building in Bozeman, see Justin Skillman and Tyler Dozier for your business banking, and Brad Whitmer for your home loans. Go Cats!
0: Member FDIC. Welcome
1: everybody to the RNR Catcast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State athletics. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy. All right, welcome back, Bobcat fans! Thanks for joining us on another episode of the RNR Catcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Foley. He's one of your hosts, Ryan Thornburg. We are the Ryans of the RrD Montana State affiliate of the Big Sky Podcast Network. We are a broadcast for the fans by the fans. And we are your first listen. We should be your first listen for Bobcat Banter. We're lucky to be sponsored by Manhattan Bank, four Banks in the Gallatin Valley. There for you. Man, Thorny, we are back from
0: Portland. We're ready to talk the OSU game. How are you doing, buddy? Doing good, man. Yeah. Like you said, we're back. I had a long travel weekend or a travel day yesterday, but it feels good to be back, back in the swing of things. It feels good to be back on the podcast doing our therapy here. We did record that one, our instant reaction show on a Saturday night. That was kind of a little bit therapeutic. <laughs> like I was pretty, pretty sad about it, but I felt a little better, a little bit better after talking through it on the podcast a little bit. And I'm sure we'll feel better tonight. But overall, man, I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing tonight? I'm not, I'm not bad. I'm a little
1: tired. I was, uh, uh, yeah, you know, am pretty sleepy over the weekend and get great sleep being in, in a hotel room and whatnot. But, uh, so yeah, but I, my travel was pretty easy. Although I did a good deed. I had the very last row coming back on the plane and I was like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to get this. and It's not going to be a, a seat. I'm going to have an open seat next to me. The whole plane fills up and I have an open seat. like, what you want in a plane. Right. And to the next, to the next me or to the next row over, there was a, there was a larger guy sitting by himself. And then there was one lone guy coming down the aisle, a bigger dude. And he sits next to the guy who's, so he got two large guys sitting in this small little row. And I look over and go, I know what to do. I just looked at them and I go, Hey guys, I recognize this situation. You can have this one, and he goes, "Are you serious?" I go, "Yeah, I mean, it was an hour flight. I could suck it up." And and so even when I sat down, it was pretty crowded.
0: <laughs> well, that was very that was very nice of you. Yeah, there's nothing better than on a flight when when it's done loading up and your your seats next to you is open. Like, yeah, I did it. I I hit the jackpot. Yep, but nice. Did all solid. Yeah, I took a long, long drive back from Portland. I took the long way which was stupid, but it was like a pretty drive up the Oregon side of the uh, Columbia River. And then got stuck in traffic forever. I made some errors in judgment on trying to find a place to eat. Ended up taking me almost eight hours to get back home. It should have only taken like five, five or five and a half, maybe. Um, I mean, traffic was bad. And I said I had to stop and eat at some point, but mistakes were made. It Took too long. But I, I did happen to be at Buffalo Wild Wings when I saw... Uh, Troy Anderson block the punt in real time against the Rams. As I was watching my poor Rams collapse, sitting there thinking like, yeah, that was Troy Anderson. Like, oh no, we're going to lose now. So it was very, you know, as Bob Green would say, you know, the, the, the co- coaching legend from Montana tech, it's like, it's like watching your uh, mother-in-law go off the, <laughs> go off the cliff in a Cadillac. Yeah. Mixed feelings in your <laughs> Cadillac. That's how, I, that's how I had mixed feelings when that happened. But, it was really cool to see Troy do that. So at least at least my stop, my long day of travel afforded me the opportunity to see trainers to make a play in real time. That was cool.
1: That was really cool. And Troy's looking
0: ginormous. He's, He's a big man. Really big. Yeah. Getting that you getting that uh, NFL weight. training regiment.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> How many boiled eggs
0: is Troy Anderson eaten in a day? <laughs> Thirty cheeseburgers and then ten boiled eggs turn it back to our cheeseburger, to Marcus episode. Ware, in the department. I saw that. I saw that. I still think you could do thirty, whether he thinks he can or not. I don't there's no way. Marcus when he's pressed to it, man, if, if, no if I if I gave you like a thousand dollars to eat thirty cheeseburgers, come on, that one guy can eat like bet, fifty-seven bet. hot dogs, the world record. All right, guy. he's a skinny guy. Let's settle this right
1: now, <laughs> Troy Anderson, or Marcus Ware, who eats more
0: cheeseburgers. <laughs> I don't know man for some reason I want to say Marcus Ware, but I imagine Troy can probably put down a ton He's so lean he's got so much muscle he's gotta gotta have a huge like metabolism I don't know good question all right
1: yeah I'd probably lean with Marcus as well you know he's 30s a lot it's ridiculous okay listener thanks for joining us again again like I said we hope you're your first stop for Bobcat banter. If not, well, we understand. Uh, Keaton Globally. I think I said that right. I think it is. pulled that, that out good, of my... Yeah. Woo! Nice. Hey, He's doing the, um, the Bobcat Insider that comes out on Tuesdays. It's a little bit more polished version of what we are really doing here. But uh, you don't get that fun back and forth banter that uh, Ryan and I have talking about cheeseburgers. So thanks for joining sure. us. We're going to talk the OSU game. We'll recap what's in uh, what's in our golden coolies. That's probably the first thing we're going to do, but uh, a couple other things we'll talk about. We'll talk about the FCS uh, poll that came out today. Uh, we'll briefly talk about the Big Sky Podcast Network poll, which is a, really just a crapshoot for really anything, but it doesn't matter one bit. And we'll give our game recap for the OSU game, which Ryan and I were both there, if you hadn't heard that. And then we're going to preview... The Eastern Washington game over here in Cheney uh, this week again in Eastern Washington. Ryan, I looked at b- buying uh, tickets for that. It's going to be over two hundred bucks for my family to go. So, may or may not happen. That's a that's a hefty ticket price oh, four? right there. Yeah, they're like four, the cheapest I could get was in the end zone, forty bucks a ticket plus eleven dollar <clears throat> eleven dollar uh processing
0: fee for each ticket. Yeah, I mean that's what Eastern does to you every year. Oh, I mean, you're, so you're not far away. My, you could always just drive over there and try and buy tickets day of from somebody. Somebody's trying to unload some tickets yeah. or something. Anyway, so uh, we'll get into that and
1: we'll do some buyer sales and some golden coolies if we have those.
0: Sounds good, man. Typical game episode, man. Yep. No, no special guests. No special guests this time. We were just talking before we hit record. It's kind of nice. Like having guests is, is good, especially for teams that we're not familiar with. I'm sure it's, I think it's better content because they can preview their own team, the fans of their team, the play-by-play announcer, whatever, better than we ever could, but it's more work for us. Our nights are longer recording, my editing nights are longer recording, making it all fit together. Here we are just starting conference play. It's exciting just to get into conference play and talk some conference football with an opponent we're all familiar with. No special guest, just standard course of action here. Let's go.
1: <laughs> All right, let's talk about what's in our golden coolies.
0: What's in your golden coolie? Yeah, sir. <laughs> I have an Oktoberfest. Sam Adams Oktoberfest. Woo! Might be a little early, but I saw it at Costco. I'm like, yes, that's what I want right now. I love Sam Adams Oktoberfest. It's a good seasonal beer. I pick it up pretty much every year. Looking at the colors, it's very Oregon State colory. With the big orange, but it's blue. But either way, it's good beer.
1: My wife and I are going to Hoptoberfest this Friday at Perry Street Brewing. And we pre-ordered these ceramic steins, like a traditional like German ceramic stein that uh, Perry Street puts out every year. Last year, they had David Hasselhoff on the... <laughs> a picture of David Hasselhoff on the on the mug and um, <laughs> the I don't know
0: why it was called like uh, something to do with a half bomb or something. Well, can it? you think of a more famous like like German pop culture icon than David David Hasselhoff? I can't. Good point. Good point. <laughs> I'm drinking.
1: <laughs> they love him over there. Citrus mistress, an Indian pale ale brewed with grapefruit peel from hop Valley brewing and I know this one because it's served at uh, the um Spokane Indians games and it's uh, it's a pretty good one. So Indian Pale, at the g- store g- today.
0: pale Ale at the Indian ball game.
1: Yep, they have a Hop Valley beer kiosk and so Stash Panda, um Bubble Stash, which I've had on this podcast before and now Citrus Mistress. <laughs> I so, like the
0: name. Yeah. There we go. Sounds kind of dirty for some reason. All right. Can't just throw their mistress around like that. <laughs> all right. Uh, That's a nice, awkward we are just transition. Kind of punchy mood tonight. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. I'm still. All right. I'm, uh, now that we're recording, I'm starting to get a little more bitter about the game on Saturday. <laughs> it's coming, folks. You're going to hear the full eruption of
1: Thorny here in a little bit. Just wait until we start talking, Jeff Manning. It's going <laughs> to go off. There's a
0: preview of (laughs) something fully warned me about. I don't know what you're going to talk about, but uh, I don't know. We'll find out. Shall we just dive into the stats? No, we got other stuff we got to talk about. We got to talk about the polls. Yes. So polls. All right. So a couple things real quick.
1: Uh, Montana State stayed at four. They are tied for four in
0: the National FCS poll with Incarnate Word. Incarnate Word has been just tearing it up, man. Mm-hmm. You think they'd mm-hmm. be wouldn't be near as good with Cam Ward and the offensive coordinator bolting to Washington State, but somehow they're even better. Yeah, Washington State's been doing good. Yes, Cam Ward's also been doing really, really good up. over there.
1: Sack State's up to uh, number seven. Yeah, they are a good win against Northern up or Iowa. Up down? Did they? Did they stay, stay? Did they stay the same? I can't read it. They went up no, they from eight. eight to seven in Eastern Washington. I believe they're 15 or 16 let me
0: click the link real quick yeah i only snapshot of the top 10 on my little yeah if you're looking at the document so eastern
1: washington they they were idle last week and they moved down a spot to, from 14 to 15 Eastern's a tough one and we're, we're going to talk about them but they yeah. got just waxed by florida not florida they play florida they play they, played they will get waxed by florida uh, too yeah and uh so I know they're kind of in the same similar position. We are like, well, we just got our butts whooped against a power five school and now we play each other. So it's, it'll be an interesting matchup for sure. We'll get into that. But first got to recap, um, just some stuff on the OSU game. But before that, any injuries, I, I listened to the press conference today. Coach vegan said pretty much they came out of there healthy. I don't know if he's telling the truth. I kind of think he's lying. A little bit. I just have a sneaking
0: suspicion. There's what is, some lingering stuff. Where does Brent Vegan ever given you reason to believe that he's lying about anything?
1: Yeah, I don't know. It just, I just think. Uh, well, I don't know.
0: It's just my gut telling me that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, unless unless Foley's correct here and Vegan is blowing smoke up all of our collective tookuses uh. That was probably one of the best parts of the game as we came out healthy, allegedly. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but that was one of Let's the that was one of the bright it. spots. Okay. Oh, we're gonna skip the the Bobcat or the uh, Big Sky Podcast Network rankings. Yeah. I don't know. What, you were so you down have? on that. Just like, what's me... the point? Like, every time we every time we talk about it, all you do is crap all over it. So, like, what's the point of even talking yeah. about it? You, well, it's because you, you it's set it up so to be this, me. you're like, here's this stupid thing that we do. We're going to have to, we're going to talk about it. It's stupid. Enjoy. <laughs> like, yeah, just don't even, it's let's a- either take it off or be nice
1: to it. <laughs> yeah, I think we should take it off. I think it's too biased of a poll. It's, it's supposed to be biased. That's, it's different than any other poll. That's why it's fun to talk about.
0: All right. Well, <laughs> fine. Well, you might as well tell the listeners what the rankings are. Grizz, we're number one. Uh, we were state number two, Montana. State number three, which I actually think I voted the Bobcats number four. I put Sac State I think number three when I voted. Sac State's number four in the poll. Idaho remains at five, and UC Davis is six. NAU seven. Eastern all the way down at eighth. But like we're like we're gonna get into how do you have any gauge in a power ranking, which is different than a poll. A power ranking when a team has played the schedule. Eastern has played and they were idle. It, it was very difficult to put this together. The top four makes sense <laughs> to me. Everything else is like, ooh. <laughs> mm. So that's yeah. where I stood. Okay, but there, there, we, there you have it. All right, now we can talk about the beatdown in Portland in the Rose City. It's called the Rose City, right? <laughs> Pretty sure it is called the Rose City. Sixty-eight to twenty-eight, the Bobcats fall to the Oregon State Beavers of the Pac-12. In Portland, let's run down the stats here because we have to, and they're they're pretty ugly. 31 first downs for the Beavers, just 14 for the Bobcats. The Beavers were 10 of 12 on third down. One of those turned into a fourth down conversion. The other one turned into a missed field goal. The Bobcats were just 3 of 10, but were 2 of 2 on fourth down, so there you go. 538 yards of offense rolled up by the Beavers, which honestly, it seemed like it should have been higher than that when we are watching the game. I was like, oh, only 538? That's how it felt. But I guess they probably had hundreds, hundreds of yards in return yardage that made that look different <laughs> in my mind. 269 yards of offense for the Bobcats, just 101 through the air where the Beavers were 324 on 22 of 29 passing for 11.2 yards per pass. Zero interceptions. A very good day by quarterback Chuck Nolan for the Beavers. Uh, three interceptions thrown by Tommy Mullot here today <laughs> or Saturday, excuse me. You 214. Him, you call him Chuck Nolan? Isn't it Chuck? <laughs> it's Chance. Chance Nolan, whatever. Chuck Chance. What's Chuck I Nolan? Like Chuck. Oh. The UFC know. fighter with a similar name, probably to my head. Two hundred fourteen rushing yards for the Beavers for one hundred sixty-eight for the Cats, which is one of the positives on thirty-two attempts for five point three yards per carry. And I believe we scored all of our touchdowns on the ground. I'm just winging yep. that here. Uh, okay, and then uh, penalties—just three penalties on the Cats for twenty-seven yards, six for sixty-five for the Beavers. But again, no turnovers for the Beavers. Three interceptions for the Bobcats. Yeah. Uh, Oregon State somehow, even with that track meet, still ended up with a higher time of possession than the Cats, 32 minutes and 38 seconds. So there you go. There's kind of the general team stats. If fully you want to take it into the individual. Sure. I have to turn back my page. Let's turn see back here. my page.
1: Tommy Malotte went uh, 9 of 18 with 101 in the passing game. He was uh, had 18 rushes for 135 yards, averaging seven and a half yards a carry. So there's a bright spot right there. Well, <laughs> depends how you it, think about it. could about be a double edged sword. <laughs> yeah. That's right. As you said, it looks like we were running a high school offense at that point. Anyways, Chambers. Nine for 35, three touchdowns. Sean Chambers continues to be like a bull in a China closet down
0: on the red zone. That guy is tough. He's a fantasy Ooh. point machine if if we if there's a fantasy yeah. league for this. Those are the guys you love. All they do is score touchdowns inside the five-yard line.
1: You're starting uh, running back, Elijah Elliott. Two carries, four yards. There you go. Woo! <laughs> Derek Snell had himself a nice catch. He had one catch for 27 yards. By the way, great face mask, just like a forearm. Um, what do they call that when the player puts the, the Stiff arm, arm arm? That's the word you're thinking. Stiff
0: arm. Golly,
1: couldn't think of that word right I watch football
0: sometimes, rightfully.
1: Yep. Um, Cleveland Thomas had three catches for 24 yards. I'm not going to read most of these because we only pass for 101 yards. So uh, Danny Wood, uh, Simeon, Simeon Woodward, Woodard, had nine tackles he led the team um four solo one for a loss and danny you had nine with one solo so uh i guess if you if there would be another bright spot Marquise johnson was uh he had five punt returns or kickoff returns there was no punts in this game for 190 yards he almost had 200 yards in returns alone uh in a in an interview <laughs> this is funny in an interview today with victor and Alex Eshelman, they asked him about scoring the, the ball or scoring a touchdown because he had a 98-yard uh, touchdown return. They're like, did you expect that? He goes, yeah, I expect to score every play I make. Every time I touch the ball, I expect, I expect to score. That <laughs> was just like, it was very forthright. It was really funny to me. But uh, he had returns of 98, 34 and obviously that doesn't add up to 190, but that's all I put down. Those were those were the long ones. So you did a good job in the, in the return game. We didn't get to see Taco Dollar. So uh, Marquee, that's definitely a step up for where we were at last year. But if you look on the flip side, Thorny, the the coverage game, ooh, 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 ooh.
0: that that's third the place where Montana State needs to figure something out, yeah, man. Third quarter was a just a. The floodgates open, man, like they had, it's like every time they we kick the ball, either kick off or punt, it's like, you, <laughs> somebody said they had like 198 return yards in the third quarter. And I could be wrong on that. That's some a stat I read on Bobcat nation, but it felt right. I mean, they only have 100 hundred or 201 total return yards co- according to the stats here, but yeah. Uh, Anthony Gould had a 80-yard touchdown punt return. Silas Bolden had an 80-yard kickoff return that was miraculously chased down by G- Blake Glesner, the fastest kicker in the country. If you're listening to the broadcast, <laughs> which was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, co- was big funny. <laughs> big kudos to Blake Glesner for chasing him down. That was great. But uh, yeah, that entire it's just one of those games where just things just started to snowball and. You know, that's just uncharacteristic for for the Bobcat teams we've seen the last few years, is having kind of a meltdown in all phases a little bit. I guess the offense wasn't a complete meltdown, but the passing game, I would argue, probably was. The running game was about the only thing in this entire game that worked and worked consistently and worked for all four quarters. Everything else was spotty, except for maybe the the kickoff return game was also pretty good. That's about it. And I don't know where to go on that. Where, where should we even dive into this? Into this. Well, let's talk
1: about the defense. All right. So Coach Vegan came out today in his press conference, and he was talking about how, in general, the defense needs to be more aggressive. That they thought they did a good job. It was really obvious to me that the Cats wanted to have nothing beat them over the top. Yes. You watch the safeties. The safeties were retreating from the snap. They weren't going to give up anything over the top. And then our linebackers were just not fast enough. We couldn't match their their speed on their intermediate routes. And so we gave up a lot in front or in the middle over the passing passing of the middle. And Chance Nolan,
0: man, that guy, he was just stones. I mean, yeah, so, like sometimes some that happens. Kid. You just run into a guy who just like is in the zone and can't miss. Yeah, he was 19 of 25. <laughs> for two hundred and seventy six,
1: and what did they go like? Some ridiculous ten for twelve on
0: third down. Yes, ten for twelve. Yeah,
1: yeah. And the, all, of, and probably four of those were touchdowns. I would bet. So we gave up. I don't know. So the Bobcats played a mixture of zone coverage and soft man it was killing us. We we weren't able to get home with the front four, and I think that's really what it comes down to. We weren't able to get enough pressure to put Chance Nolan off his game, and then our coverage scheme on the back end was allowing their speedy receivers to find holes because our, our safeties were playing too far back, and then our zone soft coverage slash man coverage just couldn't match it, man, so... I don't know. It seemed like a bad defensive plan. You kept telling me this was like Jamie Marshall's (laughs) 2015
0: defense. You probably said that probably four or five times at the game. I haven't felt like that's the the worst defensive performance I've seen from the Cats in a long, long time. And it just felt like that. It's not like, I don't know. It was like the Cats weren't in position. They looked slow. The tackling wasn't terrible. It wasn't great, but it wasn't. You know that was a huge problem when those Jamie Marshall type defenses, where the tackling was also bad. This, like, literally everything was bad. But there, I don't know. It's just chunk play after chunk play after chunk play. That's all it was all day long. We couldn't stop them. We got them into the third down multiple times, but it didn't matter because that was an all another one of those hallmark of those Jamie Marshall defenses where you get them into third and twelve and then give give up a fifteen yard pass play over the middle. Like it was very. The parallels were just giving me nightmares, man. And I was not, I was not having a good time. I was very grumpy until that like third, well into the third quarter and the fourth quarter. And then the numbness takes you over and it's like, ah, whatever. <laughs> you you go through the, <laughs> yeah. all the stages of denial by the end of the end of the game because it's so ugly, <laughs> it's so bad. But yeah, that's, it just reminded me of that. And, you know, we had, what especially reminded me of that too was I had seen flashes of that kind of stuff in the first two games that made me kind of yeah. nervous and yep. Oregon States completely exploited all the stuff that had me kind of nervous after the McNeese state mm-hmm. and the Morehead state games. And like, is this yeah. who we are now or is this a blip on the radar? And that's where that's the big question for me is, was this truly indicative of what the Bobcats are on defense right now under Willie Mack Garza Garza and without basically Troy Anderson and Daniel Hardy and Chase Benson and to even a lesser degree. But, Still a degree, Trey Webb, four guys that are gone that were huge pieces of the defense last year. Is this the new Bobcat defense, or are we better than this?
1: It's hard to say. It's almost as if our guys don't really know their roles quite yet. I I, think Troy being, yeah, I think Troy, Troy just gave so many other guys freedom. He allowed... Tyler Cotta to do so much more closer to the line because Troy was covering from in the back end. Also, if you think about Callahan, too, Callahan more freedom to do what he was good at. And now we're asking these guys to play more coverage, and that's not what they're good at. And so I don't know if that's a scheme thing that we need to fix or adjusting some roles for some of the guys. Like, Do you really want Tyler Cotta in coverage? I don't know. He's he's a really good guy. He's really good to me when he's stretching the guys sideline to sideline. And he's good at sniffing out the run. Nolan Askelson to me is our probably our best linebacker in coverage. Uh with our safeties bailing out, like if we were doing like a one high look or a two high look, they were just playing so far back. That it was obvious they were respecting the speed from guys like Silas Bolden and Anthony Gold. He had like himself a day. Holy cow. Um I don't know, man. It's we're not aggressive. Like that's what Coach Vegan kept coming back to today. He goes, it was part our scheme, but part part of it is we just aren't as aggressive as we need to be. And Coach Vegan never really is really critical. You know how even kill he is? He never really says were that bad, but uh if you listen to enough, enough Coach Vegan, you can kinda of pick up when he's not pleased with something in the media. And right now I don't think he's pretty happy with the defense.
0: No, well he shouldn't be. Like there should be as he said, like they should be owning it and he and he thinks the team did that, but you know, you still have to make steps to correct it. And to your point about Tayokata, is best when he knows where he's going. He, he can go somewhere a hundred miles per hour but he doesn't look like he knows where he's supposed to be right now. And that's kind of, I think, the tail the tape for almost everybody, except for the defensive line, who's, you know, that's a little bit more simple in some ways. But I just feel like the, the linebackers in the secondary aren't, aren't on the same page. They don't know their assignments yet. And like you said, maybe they just don't know their roles in this new scheme or in this new post-Troy Anderson world. They don't know exactly what they're supposed to be doing. <laughs> and you had mentioned before we started recording vegan maybe criticized or, or pointed out there's no real vocal leaders can you speak to that yeah. well you just mentioned
1: that you know we vacated uh, this ton of talent that you just talked about and now we're looking for guys to step up He clearly mentioned tyle cotta and callahan o'reilly as guys but there needs to be guys on the back end as well we're talking jeff manning um and uh Ready short. Ready short. Yeah, Ready Short. I was thinking Short was his first name and then I was like that would be a stupid first name. Um There's no Feels like Manning was a better last year at being able to be that guy. Like he played more free. He's more hesitant this year. Like we need him to be more supportive in the run game. And that's what I was kind of thinking. Like go back to the beginning of the episode where you talked to me about Hey, is there any injuries and I think uh I think he is. Uh, I said I think vegan might be kind of blowing some smoke there. I think Manning might have an injury. That's just totally speculation. I listener, just <laughs> let it know, I I have not heard anything about that. Where that comes from from me is, uh, I think it was maybe the second to last touchdown. Um, they Oregon State ran a sweep to the right. And Jeff Manning basically made a business decision when he could have tackled the guy and just gave him a little push. It was clearly not an effort thing. And I watched Manning trot back to the to the sideline and Coach Vegan met him and put his hand on his shoulder. Now I'm sitting across the field, so I I don't know. I couldn't see, but Coach Vegan had his hand on his shoulder pad leaning into his face and just talking to him. And I, was, I just looked at you, Thorny, and I said Man, vegan's probably ripping him right now because there was no effort on that. And if you start watching Manning, like I went back and I watched the replay of the game, he wasn't giving effort at all on a lot of those plays. Like he would just sit there and he'd let the, you know, the the people do the the tackling. I'm like, "Man, he's not even engaging in the pile. He's not putting in a he's not even jumping on the pile like most safeties would." So he's making some sort of decision to limit his contact. And so when Vegan was talking to him, I sat there and watched it for a while. And then uh, he kind of reached for his collarbone or some sort of shoulder or something like that. It looked like he was um, in some sort of pain. And then he took off his helmet and then he never came back into the game. So it's purely speculation on my part. But uh, Jeff Manning is a guy that we need to be he needs to be more vocal. He actually said that last week in an interview. And we just need him to be more physical. But if he's hurt, then he needs to be out there because the guys like Tyson Pottinger, did you see that hit Pottinger put
0: on that dude like late in the game? So was that Pottinger or the announcer said it was Jake DiGostino? Oh, well, I I think think Pottinger's number 20. And yeah, then had a
1: hit on the sideline on Bolden, that, and yeah,
0: D'Agostino yeah, popped had that the ball hit too, loose, right? D'Agostino yep. popped the ball loose. Yeah, there was a couple of good hits by those Sorry. guys. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, they, they're obviously probably not going to know the schemes, or you know, they don't have things locked down. But they're hungry, and they're they're playing fast. And when they're when they're out there, they're flying around making plays. So, you know, the safety room has to get better. I thought Ready Short actually had a better game than he did previous games. But you know he he he's still got a ways to go. I uh, I just think that uh, Ryland Ort's going to help out that room when he when he comes back. Three three guys yeah. and whichever two rise right, to the the top there, I think will be a better situation than we're in now. Because Jeff Manning right. kind of had this last year too. There was a was it the South Dakota State game where he made a complete business decision to not even touch Tucker Craft, which. Let's be honest, who can blame him for that one? But I, th- I think it was a situation, <laughs> too, where it came out that he was actually a little dinged <laughs> up last year, too. And it's kind of the same thing, if I remember correctly. I think that was a very similar situation where he, he called him out on something. It came out later that he's nursing something, and that maybe that's why he didn't. I don't know. But we'll see. But we need, we need, we need more out of him because, he, yeah, he's the senior, played a lot of football, and uh, he needs to be the vocal leader about, out there. And you know he's, he needs to be putting in the effort so other guys can follow suit.
1: I wrote a buy or sell Thorny, and This is going to be a tough one for you. Buy or sell. Our defense is in
0: trouble. I'm going to sell that. I think it's too small of a sample size, but oh man, it's making me nervous.
1: See, I would buy it. I think the writing's kind of on the wall. Unless, unless there is that kind of leadership that starts to step up. And uh, my second buy or sell then was buy or sell Willie Mack.
0: I will buy it. I I guess for the same exact reason, where the sample size is too small. I can't sell a guy three games into his play calling career. I'm, I'm going to sell him. <laughs> you're selling the sell. defense, and right now you're selling our defensive coordinator after three games, one of them against a team that very well could be a top twenty five FBS team in two weeks. Yeah, it's an
1: emotional. It's an emotional like sell. Like sure. I I totally could eat my uh, shorts on this later on um who knows but haven't been impressed man i want us to be more aggressive i kept wondering during the game why aren't we sending more pressure like what did we have to lose at that point point? and uh i don't know our defense is a little bit it's in trouble man they i think guys just need to know their roles a little bit better like I don't know. I thought we would have had this figured out. I thought that would have been an emphasis coming into the season. Okay, Troy's gone. (laughs) Like We mentioned that. Like We're not going to try to
0: replace Troy, but how do we fill those roles? And I don't know if we are to the best of our ability. That kind of begs the question then about this entire game in general, how much emphasis or how much stock do you put in this game, this Oregon State game? Because I thought we looked better against Morehead State than we did against McNeese State, and that's obviously because we have better athletes, but I thought we looked better... Assignment and scheme sound and all like in every way you could look better, and then we get boat raced by Oregon State. So how much stock do you place in a Pac-12 team that you know Oregon State by all accounts is looking like they're going to be a pretty good team this year?
1: I think, I think like I said, I don't think you put a lot in it, but it did expose some tendencies that you mentioned already. There's those passes over the middle that we were seeing shades of on Morehead State and Mcnee State that. And they they just killed us on that kind of stuff. So didn't I think the Oregon State like put the put the score off the scoreboard? I think they exposed
0: some of our weaknesses in our program right now. Sure. The real question is, um, can any other FCS team match what Oregon State was able to do? Like that's that is by far one of the best offensive lines I think I've seen the Bobcats play in the last few years. Those guys are yeah. legit. The, we we did blitz probably more than you think. It didn't look like it because they picked up the blitzes like nothing happened. There was one play, I think it was Nolan Askelson blitzed. He got put on his butt by an offensive lineman straight, just knocked him on his tush. (laughs) Like he just ran and (laughs) just got popped and just fell straight on his butt. Like they were good, man. They were big, strong, and they were ready for anything we threw at them. We we never made uh, Nolan uncomfortable, but... I think that was a big part of the problem right there is that we just couldn't get to the quarterback. We never made him uncomfortable in any circumstance. We did flush him out of the pocket a few times, but we weren't pursuing him when we did. There wasn't that like crazy Daniel Hardy coming at you like a Tasmanian devil pursuit. In fact, I remember seeing uh, <laughs> Brody Greeby chase a couple times and he just didn't look fast. I don't know if Brody Greeby's put on too much weight to lose some of that speed. And now he's a little too bulky. But he did not look very quick yeah. out there. So did, did has he lost a step by b- bulking up to like 250 or wherever he's at? He does look pretty tight in
1: his uniform. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> you know, I do want to get to like a thought that I had about this game. I'm going to kind of move off the defense. And kind of, I want to go into kind of like the overarching plays of this game. Montana state I thought in the first quarter did pretty good like for the first uh let me turn back to my page real quick so we we had 7 points in the first quarter they had 7 points in the first quarter but then if you look at the second quarter we scored 7 they scored 27 and that came largely in part to back to back turnovers from Tommy Milott so two interceptions back to back one was a one play interception and that was, I think, and that was the one I criticized him the most of not looking off the safety. And I heard some other people say today that the safety just played a good look. But, you know, honestly, if you're playing the Bobcats right now, you should play a too high look against us and squeeze the safeties against the outside because that's, you're going to force Tommy Malott to go on the inside routes. And that would be good defense against us yeah. because we haven't had any kind of semblance of a over the middle passing game. So, I don't know, like I don't know if that was a too high look against us, but the safety red Tommy, because Tommy just kind of positioned his body, he he hiked the ball, canted to the right, was just staring down. I, I forget who it was over I think there. It was Jones. Anyways, yeah, and he made a good play on it. And then the second drive, we we did an, another interception, and it just snowballed right there. So that was right before half, and then coming out of half. We had terrible, terrible special teams coverage. And all of a sudden, big plays, again, just took the momentum out of anything that the Bobcats were doing. And we were moving the ball. I thought the offensive line had good push, and um, it, we were running pretty much the Tommy show back there. But we were at least moving the ball. But yeah, Those big plays just... Sandwich right in the middle of the game just really took anything that Montana State had and flushed it down the
0: drain. Yeah, let's go back to that first half. Let's kind of review the series of events because I don't think the 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 Bobcat offense had very many plays in that first half, and I think it was okay. uh, a circumstance of a couple things. So they scored to go up twenty-one to seven, I believe, after another touchdown drive. They were, I mean, they were moving the ball at will at that point. But yeah, they scored. Was this before? Was one of those from an interception? I can't remember. I can't remember the sequence of events. Well, are you asking me to pull
1: up the game drives? Yeah, we probably should. I, but, I couldn't.
0: but it doesn't. Let's. It, it doesn't really matter matter the order. It was one way or the other. Either Tommy threw an interception and then they scored. It was like the one play, like you said, the the one play drive where he threw an interception on the first play of the drive, and then Oregon State scored, and then Marquis Johnson returns a kickoff for a touchdown. So. The defense got no break between those no, two those two incidents. Right. Like it was, there were uh, one one was after another. It doesn't matter which one was which. The point is, the defense had zero break, and there that I think was one of the things that kind of broke the back of the defense a little bit. Like they never got off the field, in that especially in that second quarter, yeah. they just couldn't because yeah. we had lot through back to back interceptions, and we had the the special teams touchdown, which is great. But then the defense is right back on the field, and it tested our depth real well. But yeah, that was. Those are big plays, and then the kind of dam broke in the in third quarter. <laughs> the the Beavers, damn, that's funny. Uh, yeah, with the with the 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 coverage, the kick coverage, just blew it wide open and set up Oregon State with a short field, which is the last thing that mm-hmm. we needed to do. Like you said, the offense was moving the ball. If we could have sustained drives, not turn the ball over three times, I mean, they could it could have been a different outcome. It could have been at least a competitive outcome. The game plan I don't think was terrible, necessarily, looking back on it. uh, Three turnovers and terrible special teams coverage in the third quarter will, you know, kill any game plan.
1: (laughs) I wasn't expecting us to win, but I was probably expecting us to lose probably by 20 to 15, you know, some 17, somewhere in there. Yeah.
0: With like a 10% chance of winning that game. I mean, we moved better than, we scored more than I thought we would. But we gave up way more than I thought we would. And that's why, yeah. coming out of this offensively, considering we had no running backs in particular, I'm not too concerned. Passing game has to be better. You can't be throwing three interceptions. You can't throw for 135 yards, or I'm sorry, 101 yards on 5.6 yards per completion for 50%, 50% completion. And <laughs> a fifth of your passes are interceptions. That's not going to win very many football games. But. Man, That's that's terrible math. The sixth of your past attempts for interceptions. Anyway, <laughs> it's not going to win any football games, man. We're going to need more out of the passing game. But we were able to run the ball. We were able to push around uh, their defensive line, I thought, in the run game. And we had them confused all game long. And who's going to get the ball? Um, was it going to be an end around? Was it going to be Tommy Mollott on an end around? And then Tommy Mollott flipping a screen pass to the <laughs> to Cleveland Thomas, like, was, I thought it was creative considering we had no running backs. We were able to run for 168 yards, 5.3 yards per carry against a Pac-12 defense with basically no running back that we apparently want to use in any running situation. You know, it was, <laughs> that, that was promising for me. So there's one of the, some of the silver linings for the game. Is our a running game I think will be pretty darn good. Our offensive line will be pretty darn good in run blocking, pass blocking to be determined.
1: Yeah. That's surprising because we all thought that the offensive line might be one of the weak points, but they're proving to be they're coming together. <laughs> one man. of the strongest better
0: every week, I think. Yeah.
1: My biggest concerns kind of wrapping this up on on the Oregon State. I don't, I don't know if you want to move on, but I do. Biggest concerns is for me, defense as a whole. Not 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 necessarily defensive line. I shouldn't say defensive as a whole or or secondary. And I thought the secondary I thought I was on this podcast saying we have a great secondary, probably the best secondary in the league. I don't know if we do. I might have been dead wrong on that. It just seems like they were just kind of lackluster. Vegan called them out without calling them out today. And then special teams. We got to get special teams fixed, man. Maybe not on the offensive side, but our coverage was terrible. We gave up like almost 200 yards in
0: kick returns. It was terrible. Absolutely terrible. I remember on the, the one they returned for a touchdown, I was like yelling at Bryce Layton for the way he punted that ball. Do you remember that? Yeah. Like, I was like, you did a, a three-second, four-second rollout, and then you line drive it down the field like that. And, of course, the guy takes it back to the house. I'm like, ah, it's <laughs> like, I don't understand. Like sometimes he just doesn't put any hang time on his balls. He's wildly inconsistent. He's got such a yeah. huge leg. And so far he had been looking much better this year. But then he just goes and does that. Like he just line drives a kick down the field right to a, I don't know. That doesn't help the coverage team when you outkick the coverage, the classic expression in the ugliest way possible too. But yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's something we hadn't seen. Bobcats struggle in that department like that in a long time. So that was a, you know, that was a concern too. That can be cleaned up. I think much more easier than the other stuff and the speed that Oregon State has. I don't think we'll see quite that speed from anyone else in the Big Sky Conference at least, but big problem. In closing thoughts on Oregon State, Thorny? I'm hoping this is a game that you can just crumple up, throw in the garbage can, move on to conference play, fresh slate, get things, some things cleaned up, but unfortunately we just kind of have a uh, hard first opponent in the in the conference. It's not a get-right game. It's a not, not a must win, but something that will certainly another loss against two and Eastern Washington two in a row could completely like set the Bobcats into a tailspin. So that's my only Hold closing on. thought on that.
1: Question for you. I just thought about this. Would you rather have the Montana state situation right now where we're having some question marks or would you rather be in the Grizzlies position where they just finished their OC schedule? pretty much just dominant throughout.
0: I mean, you had to pick pick the Grizz here. <laughs> it's like, okay. you want to be good in every game you play. You want to beat the crap out of everybody. Now, I th- I don't... I think the only
1: thing really matters, man, is if you get to the playoffs and how you're playing in the playoffs.
0: Yeah. No, there's, there's, like, there's precedent in Mont- at Montana State. Like, we got smoked by Texas Tech in 2019. We, lo- yeah, we lost in North Dakota in the middle of the season. Everyone's like, the season's over. And then we uh, somehow roll into the playoffs and, and win a playoff game. Yeah, a lot can change between the first two, three, four games of the season, and by the time the end of the season rolls around, you and, and if you do lose a game like uh, Eastern Washington, you want it to happen in the beginning of the season. It's a good point. As, as we so let's let's get into that game. Yeah, we can go ahead and get into that. So Eastern Washington, I can't get a read on them right now.
1: It's Hard, it's, it's hard like two games, and then they got uh, they they smoked Eastern Tennessee State, who is an own three program. They didn't smoke them to be honest with you, and it's, it's it was just actually Tennessee pretty State. good. <laughs> well, well, you never so uh, yeah, I combined Eastern and Tennessee State there, so there it is. Uh, they had a win 36 29 over uh, Tennessee State, and I mean, the, the talking point on that was okay. Eric Berrier, he's not there anymore. Gunnar Talkington, a
0: six-year senior. A guy who played in a national championship game win. But, man, Tennessee State has, yeah, like you said, they're 0-3 now. They scored three points in their next game and then six points in their FBS game against Middle, Middle Tennessee State, which is usually a pretty middling, not very good FBS squad. So they've scored a combined nine points in their next two games, and they hung 29 on Eastern Washington in that game. and. You know the the stats in that game. I, I wish I had it up there, but the the running back for Tennessee State ran for like 207 yards or something like that. Like Tennessee State ran all over yeah. them. They turned the ball over three times, and I think Tennessee State may have been able to win that game if they wouldn't have turned the ball over. I think they fumbled the ball like six times and lost three of them. And hmm. I, I watched the highlights of that. Man, Tennessee State looked completely confused on defense. It was one of those situations, kind of like Oregon State a little bit, but even much much worse. Uh. Gunnerton Talkington just sat there and just found a guy that w- was open, so open that it looked like a blown coverage. And yeah. I don't think the Cats will be that, quite that bad on the blown coverage aspect of it. But, uh, you know, that was, they both looked pretty not very good in that game. I mean, Tennessee State actually outgained Eastern Washington 547 to 474 in yardage. Like <laughs> Eastern cannot stop Tennessee State minus the fumbles. And that's what it came down to. And that's why they won by seven points. I think uh, Tennessee State threw an interception like trying to tie the game up in the last couple minutes.
1: Yeah. I watched that game. It was an offensive kind of game where the defense didn't really show up on both sides of the ball. You know, Gunnar Talkington had the newness to him. He can't beat EB3. I mean, a lot of what EB three did, the whole, the Eagles, you know, scheduled, not scheduled, but crafted their offense around him as you would any of your star players, this is going to be a good test for him. You know, this will be a good test for our defensive line. I have like a good feeling that our defensive line will be able to pressure him a lot more <laughs> than what we saw yeah. at Oregon state. Like so. you said, that Oregon State offensive line was an elite offensive line, They're very good. Uh, he has some pretty good receivers. I mean, we can't go without saying Freddie Rob Robin Roberson or Robinson Roberson. Sorry. I think Roberson, there it is. I can't read my own handwriting. He's he's probably one of the best in the big sky. He's a junior, he's one of those six two guys. And Efton Chisholm, the third, he's their. You know, he's their speed guy.
0: He's their I think kind of he's their Cooper best Cup receiver. But yes, yeah, they still yeah, got he's two probably. of the best receivers in the base guy. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> as the, always,
1: That's what Eastern does. Eastern, that's kind of their identity. They, they don't deviate from that. Um, so, we'll see. It, to me, I think this, I think this rests more on our offense. What do you think,
0: Ryan? Like, d- is that the matchup you're looking at? Honestly, I'm I'm more looking at our defense here. I think the offense will be able to, yeah. <laughs> to do what, what they want in this game. I think we'll be able to run the ball, whether or not we have any healthy running backs or not, just from what I've seen from Eastern Washington and what I've seen the Bobcats accomplish without a running back because th- now we've basically had two full games where we've had to use Elijah Elliott as the only running back, and he's got a six combined carries. So it's clear that he's not going to be a factor in the game plan. So I really liked what I saw, in uh, creativity a little bit. I liked the uh, Chambers and Malotte in the backfield at the same time. We got speed at the wide receiver to keep defenses honest as we test the edges. And then we hit them up the middle with a 6'3, 240 pound quarterback who can run faster than in pretty much any linebacker in the conference. It's like, I don't know. I'm feeling good that we're going to be able to move the ball if we can take care of the ball. I think the offense is going to score a decent amount of points in this game. I don't know how much we can slow down Eastern's passing attack. I think we'll get to the quarterback more than we did against Oregon State, but is it going to be enough to cause some errant throws, to cause some incompletions, or is it just going to be flushing him out of the pocket and he scrambles for eight yards?
1: That's the tough one. So that's always... We're we're, we're tracking the receivers. That's where... These Washington has made their hay against us in years past. I think back to the cop pr- era. And, man, how many times did I watch? Who was it during the pre-cop? Was it EB3 back then still? No, it was Vernon Adams. Yeah, you oh, know, Vernon Adams. There it is, yeah. Big play yeah. VA. So, big play VA. Aaron Best has such a good uh, record. He's 47-17 over five seasons. And we're playing on the red turf again. Man. I don't want to harp on that, but because that's old news, old Ryan Foley news. You, we all know how how much I hate playing at Eastern Washington. So
0: So the other thing that makes me optimistic, I guess, the other thing, maybe the only thing that makes me optimistic on the defensive side, Eastern has not found a running game yet. They were not able to find it against Tennessee State. They. Like, hardly ran the ball at all. I think Gunnar Talkington was the leading rusher with 60 yards. And they got nothing going against the Ducks. They ended up with 100 rushing yards, but, you know, 22 of that was by Gunnar Talkington. And the other guy was Micah Smith, who had seven carries for 27 yards. They rushed for, like, 3.6 yards per carry. And Gunnar Talkington had a 22-yarder. That was basically 25% of those yards. They haven't found a rushing game. And I, I don't know if they can't get the running game going against the Cats. I mean, sure they'll be able to pass. They'll get the ball moving through the air a little bit, but you know, if we can start pinning our ears back a little bit more, we might might be able to get to the quarterback a little bit more if, if there's no threat of a running game. So that's a thought in the in the in the plus column for the for the cats on defense. I I do think it'll be a high scoring game. That's kind of what I'm what I'm thinking. But uh, you know, if I I have more faith in the Bobcat defense to shut down Eastern Washington's or at least. Hold them enough to win than I do in Eastern Washington's defense to slow down the crazy rushing attack we got going right now, but that could be that could be me being a fan right there. Be seeing that completely wrong.
1: I don't have much more to say on the Eastern game. I I think you're right, Ryan, and uh, it's a big game for us because I'm looking at our schedule after that, and I can probably pencil in uh, four more wins. And a couple of losses in there, I would say. So that would probably put us at six right now. So if we're toying with wins, if, if worst case scenario, if we could only get four more wins after this game, if we lose, that would only put us at six wins. And that's, you know, that's a bubble right there. I expect Montana State to make the playoffs. But in order to do so, we need seven wins. And so that would include a win against either Montana, Weaver State, and uc davis or eastern washington so we got to win one of those games and honestly if we don't win against eastern uc davis weaver or montana do we really be- belong in the playoffs no. this year i'm not sure don't yeah so and that's not a conversation i was thinking we would be having but that's kind of just the long and short of it so um any bold predictions
0: for this game sure why not tommy a lot 250 yards through the air Three touchdowns. Who? Buy or sell Malata as a passer. Sell it right now. <laughs> I don't love it, man. He hasn't t- shown me anything that he can do besides mm. throw those fade balls up the sideline. Yep. Play too high on Tommy,
1: and put those safeties out against that press that press the edges, press the sidelines, and you're going to force him into something he doesn't want to do. I'm gonna sell Malat as a passer as well. He like you said, he just hasn't proven it. So I hope he gets there. That, that, that whole thing online, the whole pro versus Malat thing, just quickly, Prukop was a way better passer than Malat.
0: Yeah, I think people are mis- remembering how good he was. Like I know, yes, so yeah. somebody had some valid points about Krukop had a lot of his numbers in in garbage time when they were down by three scores, and then he tried to make him come back. And sometimes he almost did lead them to a comeback, but he could throw a lot more balls. So he had a lot more velocity on his balls. He had a way bigger arm. He was more comfortable in the pocket. He could keep his eyes downfield while he was scrambling in the pocket. He didn't take off. So like the first sign of trouble. Like Prukop was mile is was a peak. Prukop was miles ahead of where Tommy Molot is now throwing the ball. Yeah, it, I would agree. It's with not that. even close. And I love Tommy Molot, and I, I'm not saying I'd even take Prukop over Molot because I think Molot has a lot of intangibles that Prukop didn't. But if you got, if you're just talking to a guy you want slinging the ball, <laughs> Prukop is a way better th- thrower of the football. I got my buy or sell,
1: or bold prediction. I think uh, Jeff Manning is going to have his first interception.
0: Oh, that is pretty bold. <laughs> if, if, if if Blake Glessner stones Glessner, then Jeff Manning is stone hands Manning. Because <laughs> he's had some go right into his hands.
1: Oh, man. He's
0: Eastern is turf. such a
1: weird place to play. It's like typically windy out there, no matter what. And it's, it comes down to like kicking, like it's, oh man, if, if, how confident are you if we have to kick a 42 yard field goal to win? I'm pretty confident.
0: <laughs> I feel pretty good really? about that. I mean, if we're in that I situation, like I'm feeling good that we're that chance. close. Like I'm, I'm confident in Glessner mm-hmm. to hit a, a crucial field goal.
1: Man, I've lost kind of confidence in that guy. I want to be confident in him, but he's gonna have to earn it back for me. And he's probably a nice kid. I, you know, I met his parents one day. Just, they're nice folk. But
0: hey, man, we're a fan podcast. We can say what we want. It is I mean, what at it the is. end of the day. It's always a fine line of how much you want to be critical of a player. But you know, they're the Division One athletes. That's kind of what yeah. you sign up for in some ways. We're we're pretty. I think we're pretty mild in our criticism of people on here. We're probably much worse yeah. offline. We try to keep it pretty family friendly on here. I think we've done about as bad as we're ever going to do to Jeff Manning tonight. <laughs> it's pretty mild.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He needs to step up though. That's for sure. All right, Tony. I think that's all I have, buddy. I had a, a week by sell list today and I, uh, and, uh, Oh, I do have one for you. One more, um, by sell. a coach will be dismissed or fired. Before season's end. From
0: the Bobcats? Yeah. They'll sell that hard. No one's getting canned in the middle of the season. Uh, I was kind of thinking Willie Mack might be, but... Uh, I'm You only are so down on him after qu- three games. He's not going to be fired in the middle of the season. That's... I mean, if if, if if Willie Mac Garza is fired, it's because we lost like four games in a row by giving up 50 points a game. And the season's could over happen, anyway. Man. Could happen. Not like... Will not happen. it could happen. Bet you, <laughs> bet you some money. Uh, I did want to say this, and you never let me have a chance to say it at the at the end here. You were talking about how it's kind of a must-win for the Cats. It's a bigger must-win for the Eagles, and that's what concerns me the most on this Eagle. If you're looking at the Eagle schedule, like they have, they got us, and then they go to Florida. So at, at best, they're two and four, and then they go to Weaver State, and then they play Sac State. Like they need to beat Montana State to even like, I mean, I asked Kyler Neal of the Eagle Eagle Power Hour: Is is are the Eagles going to be out of playoff contention by like week seven? Because they're going to lose to Oregon, and Florida, Montana State, Weber State, and Sac State. Like if they they need to win two of those, yeah, it's brutal, brutal, man. So this is a huge game for them. This is their first game back. They've had two weeks to prepare for this game. I don't think we mentioned that anywhere on the podcast yet. They had a bye week, so they've been sitting there. Mm. Having having all all this time to figure out exactly what they're going to do against the Bobcats. Now I still feel like teams aren't going to know how to attack our offense because I, it's been different game plan every single. Like how do you attack an offense that doesn't have a running back but still is running the ball and still has the the threat of throwing the ball? I wouldn't want to try and scheme up with the Bobcats right now. As weird as it as weird of an offense as it looks, it's been effective. And it's caught every defense we've played off guard pretty badly. And honestly, like Oregon State had some serious speed on defense. Tommy Molot turned some of those nine, 10, 11 yard runs against Oregon State into 40, 50 yard runs against Eastern Washington. So, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's a must win for Eastern, man. It's a, It's a huge game for them. They're going to be fired up. They've had two weeks to prepare for it. I'm still liking the Bobcats in this one. We'll see. Both teams are going to really see where they are. because They both have had really weird out of conference schedules right now. And that's my final thoughts on the Bobcats going back to Cheney for like the 13th time in the last 14 times we played him. I don't know. Something like that. Feels like that. Feels like <laughs> it. Sick of it. I hope you go. Hope you're, hope you're there. But like, like we said after we after Portland, man, like we're tired of going to these games together, and we we just witness blowouts. <laughs> Seems to be kind of what we do. Yeah, it's like we, we make these big travel bit. plans. We do these big, big events, spend this money, and then we like watch the Bobcats get smoked on the road.
1: <laughs> Such typical Bobcat fashion, too. Yeah. Like so. when
0: we lose, we go
1: down in flames, man. We it's really true. do.
0: It's just it's Bobcat it's like style a, at
1: this point. I hate it. It's
0: what we do. I hate it. So i feel better. All right, if right, let's we get end out of Losing to Eastern if we lose by like forty-nine to forty-four, and like we're going for it, and we like fail a touchdown conversion in the last second. Like I just feel I would feel better about that. Like that's just we don't even get that in in Bobcat Nation. Nope. So,
1: All or football, man.
0: All right. Thanks for listening. Uh you know, not not a fun game to recap, but hey, the season's just starting. Conference play is just starting. Lot, lots to be optimistic about. Let's let's turn it around. Again, thanks for listening. You can find us on the web rrcatcast.com. You can always find us on Twitter at rrcatcast. You can find us on Instagram at rrcatcast. Shout out to Foley, who's doing a phenomenal job of running the Instagram account at the moment. Um Thanks again to Manhattan Bank for being our new sponsor for the 2022-2023 athletic year. We appreciate that. You guys should check them out. They do good business down in the Gallatin Valley and fully let's get out of here. Go Go cats. Go cats. Go cats.